Imagine what it'd be like if we were really curious about each other. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Relational Spirituality, the weekly podcast of LargerStory.com, the podcast that sees all relationships as spiritual and all spiritual formation as relational. Now, here's your host for this week, Kep Crab. Welcome, everybody, to the Larger Story podcast called Relational Spirituality, where you belong, you can become, and you can be known. I'm your host today, this week, Kep Crab. I'm joined today as we finish talking about real church, Does It Exist? Can We Find It?, a book my father wrote years ago on church with a longtime Crab family friend, a former senior pastor for several decades. And he now works with Tandem Spirituality. Please welcome my friend, Jimmy, Jim Callum. Jimmy, how's it going today, man? It's going good, Kep. I'm great to be with you and love being on this. And it's good to see your face, man. Tell me a little bit about Tandem Spirituality. Sure. So Susie and I retired in 2019 after 42 years at Church at Charlotte. And our heart's desire was to give back to pastors and their families. My experience in life, in my just talking to pastors around the country, was pastors do a terrible job of taking care of themselves, emotionally, spiritually, in that type of space. And many times they're busy serving other people, but they don't take care of their own lives and they don't take care of their families. And it's been Susie's in my heart to give back to that, that niche, pastors and their families, Christian leaders and their families. And so that's what Tandem Spirituality does. We hold retreats, we talk with people, but we do a lot of one-on-one mentoring, offering spiritual direction to talk through the issues that they face. And you look at statistics these days, and people are diving out of ministry left and right. Not just older folks, but younger folks who are like, it's not worth it. Which gets back to the whole subject of your dad's book, A Real Church, and it just is an exhausting experience for a lot of those guys. So that's what Tandem Spirituality does. We actually started a podcast of our own back in November just to take 10, 15 minutes and talk about issues that people struggle with. So that's a thumbnail sketch of what we're doing. That's awesome, Jimmy, which actually just dovetails so beautifully in, in, in with what we're going to be chatting about today, just because you did talk about some kind of percentages and different things. And before we had this conversation, I looked up some things just so I, I had my numbers right. But 44% of millennials have zero religious affiliation. And, and that number has actually gone up by 6% since 2016. Yeah. And, and when you start to look at some of the other statistics, just in terms of people leaving the traditional church and how church really is becoming smaller. I'm wondering, as we do talk about the present day church, what's going on today with church? And dad talks about in the book, why is church important? Why do people not want to go? And boy, that seems now to be more than ever. Yeah. But talk a little bit, just talk a little bit about how you see the church changing today and maybe where you yeah. see the church getting. Yeah, I would say this. I think COVID gets blamed for a lot of things. I don't think COVID is the reason why the church is struggling. I think COVID exposed the faults that were already there in the local church, and particularly for the younger generation, because it became a convenient way to go, okay, I don't have to go to church, without feeling guilty that I wasn't going to church. And I really do think that what's exposed in the American church today is people are tired of something that really doesn't scratch where they itch is one of the ways I would put it, Kep. It's, it feels hmm. fake to a lot of people. 
It feels phony to a lot of people. It feels, I think, from a perspective of a pastor, the pressure to have to somehow entertain his congregation. And each week, it gets bigger and bigger. Your dad and I used to talk about one of the phrases that I hated as a pastor was walking out after a service and somebody saying to me, boy, you really hit a home run. So it's okay. So what's that make the other weeks? A ground out? A last, out? Week, last week you struck out, but today, this time you hit a home run. But it's that idea that somehow I'm responsible, the church is responsible for entertaining is an easy word to use, but it's, I want to come out of there feeling good. I want to come out of an hour and a half, whatever your service time is, and I want to feel good about myself as opposed to going, what what stirred in me that would cause me to want to get to know God more? Yeah. And I think that gets pushed to the side. I think your dad wrote the book back in 2007, 2008, somewhere around in that range. And if your dad were still with us today, I think it would just be multiplied what he felt when he wrote that as to what he would experience today. It's a. I think that is so true, Jimmy. I just think about where things have gone since dad's been gone. Yeah. He died a couple of years ago and it has just spiraled out of control. He did write a couple of things in the book that I just want to read real quickly. He says, so it comes down to this. He says, a real church doesn't entertain its people on Sunday mornings or merely inspire its people with rhythmic music or exciting preaching. A real church knows that tough times are ahead and already present for many tough times that serve a purpose in God's perfect plan. So the plan must be heard. The love behind the plan must be seen. That's the big topic was love. A real church longs to know every book of the Bible, to know the one who wrote it, to hear the story the books are telling and communicate the story of spiritual theology to its people. Because dad talked about in this book, it was kind of four things I think he mentioned. It was uh, I wrote them down here and I can't find them now, but it was spiritual theology, spiritual formation, spiritual community, and spiritual mission Yeah, were some of the big topics in that book. And you hit on it there is where do you see the church heading today? Because churches are getting smaller. And I just did, a, I had a conversation with a friend of mine who's in a church that we're a part of. Kimmy and I now are part of just a small group that has really become our church. Yeah, And uh, it's very different. And I just see church going in some different ways. And this guy that I was talking to last week, Anthony Vartuli, a former pastor as well, um, we had a great conversation about where church really seems to be going. What are your thoughts on that? I think, again, thoughts that I've shared along with your dad for years. I My unique story is I went to a Bible college for four years, graduated, went into ministry with the thought I'd go back and go to seminary, and I never did. And, and I, I don't, I'm not going to downplay the importance of a systematic theology, to know what the Bible teaches, to know all those things. But I think a spiritual theology is far more important. And I, and what I mean by that is that what God says in his word, as I get to know him through his word and through my experience with the spirit of God, he's doing something to change me. And he's working in me. He's doing things that call out the sin that's not the obvious sin, but it's there in my pride. It's there in my heart. And if the theology I believe doesn't enter into a spiritual awakening in my life, I'm not sure it's worthwhile. And so if you ask me what I think the church needs, I really do think it needs a growing sense of a spiritual theology that gets proclaimed when it gathers and then gets lived out in their lives. And you do that through spiritual direction, spiritual formation, but you do it in the context of a community. One of the things that was a value we held as a church for four decades was we wanted our church to be a place 
where people could struggle well with life. Yeah. With the realization as they walked through that door of the church, they were a mess. One of your dad's favorite spiritual words was mess. And yeah. I don't think most people walk into a church thinking that I can be honest about what I'm going through or what I'm struggling with. I got to put on, here's the my thing, put on my veneer. And when somebody says to me, how am I? I say, I'm fine. And that's where I think the church loses a huge chance to impact people's lives. When, But when you say, as I come on a Sunday or a Saturday or whenever it is you gather, and I go, yeah, life's not good right now. I'm struggling. And I just want you to know that's where I'm at. Now, point me to Jesus. Don't leave me there. But it's got to begin there. And I think that's one of the things that, in my view, is missing in many churches today. So you said some things there that really just got my ears perked up a little bit, but you've been in ministry for four plus decades, you and Susie yep. together. And I think I know a few of the times where you and dad would meet for a meal or a hot cup of coffee and chat about different things. And it just seems to me, as I've chatted with guys who are your age and older, Jimmy, how this journey becomes harder. And have you experienced any of that? Tell me where you are right now, because it sounds like what you're saying when you come to church Where's your red dot to, to use one of dad's things? Where are you honestly? Where, what's going on? Not, hey, I'm doing great. Thanks for asking. Although my kid's on drugs and my wife's got cancer and I lost my job, but everything's great. All glory to God. And you look at this, it just doesn't seem like anything gets easier. And what are your thoughts on some of that? Yeah, I would agree. I think that it's been harder for me. There's a lot of things that go into it, but simply put, the last four or five years since I retired, through a series of circumstances, which are not important, we lost the community that we'd been a part of for 42 years. So it's been a journey for us to find a community. And I think we have found one that we can now settle in and hopefully begin to build some things. But what I realized, Kep, is it doesn't get easier. I used to see the Christian life as like an escalator in a shopping mall where you step on it at the bottom and you just take a smooth ride up to heaven. Yeah. And that's just not true. It, the struggles that I face today are as intense as they were when I was a younger Christian, when I was a younger pastor. Some of that is, and I say this tongue in cheek, thanks to your dad, because he would never let my heart alone. He would always dive and go, well, let's go a little d- deeper. And it, but, but the truth of the matter is, until I am where your dad is, which is home yeah. with my heavenly father, the journey will never stop and the journey will have rough edges all along the way that I have to work through in my own heart may not be visible to the average person on the outside, but Susie and I have spent many nights just going, Lord, can't you just give us a break? And I just think that he is committed to committed to my heart and committed to seeing me become and look and resemble more like his son in that journey here on this earth. And as we talk about church with that, how does church fit into that? Here's the thing. If we wanted to sit and exchange war stories about church, which is not what we're going to do, I could probably show you more bullet wounds and stab wounds and other wounds from my years being in the church, which I would have given up on long ago if it wasn't for the fact that Christ calls it his bride. Yeah. And because he calls it his bride, it gives it a unique in high and exalted place. And so I've got to keep pursuing it, although it's getting harder and harder to do. And so it takes on different meanings. You talked about you and Kimmy right now in a small gathering of people, and that's your church. 
And I get that, and I understand that. One of the joys in the last few years of my active ministry, your mom and dad moved to Charlotte, and they chose to come to our church, which, I mean, it just stunned me that he did. But I felt like there was something maybe that he found there, not perfect, not by any means perfect, but something that he found there that gave him a place to be able to then, we used it many times to springboard into our conversations at breakfast as to what God was doing in his soul, what God was doing in my soul. And there's got to be a component in my mind of a grouping of people who look each other in the eye and answer the hard questions. And again, my thing, point, point one another to Christ. How is church different for you now, Jimmy? You were a senior pastor for years and years. Yeah. And I guess I could ask tons of different questions now that are running through my mind that I'd love to just figure out what it was like. But what do you miss most about it? Do you miss the teaching? Do you miss the interaction? Because it well, sounds like you said that what we've missed now is we lost a community right. that we were part of for 40, 40 years. And I'm thinking, why? Did you have to lose the community? I don't know. Yeah, that, that's its own set of issues. But yeah, I think, what do I miss? I, do, I miss preaching. Yeah, I'll get asked several times a year to preach somewhere. And that's helpful just to think that I can still have that opportunity. I miss the community of the staff that I worked with. Yeah. The interactions that we had on a weekly basis, not even about the church and the organization of the church, but more about what was going on in their lives and how they were and how their families were. I miss that. It's, it really would be kept for me, if I were going to sum it up, it's community. And having to start over to find it has been a challenge, will be for a while. The, on a positive side, the church we're now attending, as I've gotten to know the senior pastor and some of the guys on the pastoral staff, I have a chance to live out the tandem spirituality with them and coffees with them, conversations with them, to talk about what's going on inside of them as they wrestle with the organization of church, I guess is the way I would put it. It's I realized how big a part church was, walking down the halls of our church and being known and seeing people. Maybe I didn't Maybe I didn't get together with them on a regular basis, but I knew their story and I could pass them in the hallway and say, hey, how's your mom who's sick or how's your kid who was struggling in school or whatever it might be. And I walk into a church now and really don't know a lot of people. And that's it's that aspect of being known that has been lost. And for us, that's one of the hard things about not being where we were for 42 years. Are you and Susie part of any kind of a small group or any of that kind of thing? Or what does church look like for you? I just heard you talking about the pastor. I assume it's a church in Charlotte area there. and Yeah, it's um, still in Charlotte. And it's um, Susie is part of a small group. And she's led some Bible studies with some young women in our home. That's not been my journey. And it's I'll take responsibility for that, too. I just have, I guess I've been hesitant to to jump in. I have some close friends, two or three guys that I meet with regularly. And I, that has become my small group in some ways, and it's been life-giving. But in, in terms of an organized small group, we're not seeing it that way. But we do meet regularly, and we talk about life and each other's lives. And there's something life-giving about that that has been important. That is so true. Yeah, I feel that what, what's been amazing about the group that Kimmy and I have been a part of, really for about the last year and a half, shortly after Dad passed, we got involved with this group. And some of the guys, some of the couples, there's... You know, there's five couples and then there's a single gal in there, lost her husband shortly before we joined the group. And uh, it's just been, you, know, you use the word life giving. And uh, that's been where we've been at because I've had such a bad attitude towards church. You probably heard the stories even growing up. I remember sitting Sunday evenings watching the Miami Dolphins play in football. 
And dad would come in and we've been to church Wednesday night and we were church Sunday morning for the, all the services. And now we're heading back Sunday night to go to church right in the middle of the Dolphins game. <laughs> and I thought, dad, what the heck, man? And I said, when I'm old enough, I'm not going to church. And I finally realized when Kimmy got sick, we did pull back. And it was interesting you saying you almost had the excuse of COVID to not go to church. And it was like, wow, I had a couple of excuses. And now the way we actually attend, we still go to the same church, but we just watch the sermon virtually. And yeah. it's awesome. And then we join our small group and we've got people in New York and people in Florida. And so they're all over the country in this group, which we're obviously doing like you and I are doing right now in a virtual setting. And it's been out. It's been unbelievable some of the connection that we've made. And what I've loved most about it, Jimmy, is what it's done to Kimmy. And wow, she it's taken her over a year to be willing to to start to, to move into these relationships. Yeah. You know how yeah. Kimmy is. She's a little bit close to the, plays it close to the vest for sure. And with all the stuff that's been going on, and but she's now to see her opening up has been just beautiful. And uh, so I know that there's importance to this community. And uh, yeah. I feel we're in a good place with that right now. But I know that the church seems to be changing. And going through a transition now for sure. Yeah. Let me ask you a question. Do you miss, you You said you guys meet from all over the country for your small group, which I think is great. And technology gives you the ability to do that. Does it, do you, are you missing, do you feel you're missing something with not being face-to-face -face in a room with somebody? Sometimes. Yeah. yeah. I, I had a buddy talk to me and he said, don't give up meeting together. And I thought we're still meeting together, even though I can't shake your hand but I can still see your face and hear your voice and get to know you. And even as we were developing larger story years back, we, the question was, is there this relational intimacy that can be developed in a virtual setting? That's not artificial in, in some right. of the ways we know that can be. And I think then we were thrust into that given the COVID piece. Yeah. Uh, and that seems to be where some people have landed, but I do miss some of that, Jimmy. Yeah. I miss the worship time and the music and being around people. But I remember dad saying too, as he's talking to a group of people in church, he says, I've got all you people facing the same direction, looking at me as I'm talking to you. And you don't know maybe the people sitting around you. Maybe you do. Maybe you know some of them. Maybe you don't. But is this what church is? Yeah. And he starts asking that question. And so that's been my question. What really is church? Because we're the church. Right. And I think it's a legitimate question. And as I asked it to you, I, I don't know if we have enough data points in our life experience to decide what's missing. And again, it's not always, but if I was in a setting with this and something was stirring deeply within you or deeply within me, and it brought us to tears or brought us to a point of just being undone, what I don't have the ability to do is wrap my arms around you. Yeah. And, and sometimes that's important. Yep. Sometimes it's not. So it'll be interesting to see because there's no doubt that technology has provided these opportunities. And I don't want to dismiss that as being unimportant. I think it is important. If we had gone through COVID 10 years before we did, we would not have had church, period. There, there, would, no, there would be no such thing as online live services. Yeah, we didn't have the technology. We didn't have the technology. So the technology has allowed us to do some things that I think force us to ask deeper questions about, okay, what really is church and what's it look like for me? I loved what you just said and just being able to hug someone or put your hand on their shoulder. There's something that's important about that. And, and I know physical contact too, just being in the room with people, being able to just to be with them is important. But I think this is a pretty decent substitute when you don't have that opportunity all the time. But I wonder too, as you asked me that question, 
I start to think there's so many things about going to church that I miss. Yeah. I miss the worship. Now we have it when we're watching it in our living room and we can hear the people, but no, you get the, the full effect at some level. And no, there's some, my singing voice is lacking <laughs> when you're told to be quiet. And that's not the program. full effect I was talking about, Jimmy. That's not, <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh. the way church is going. It's just, it seems that we've got to be, dad used to say, I'd love to give up on the church, but Jesus never did. Yeah. We, like you said earlier, we could sit here and hash out all the times that we've been disappointed or hurt or whatever word you want to use negatively that how the church has impacted us because of, and when we say the church, it's people in the church that offended you or right. that said whatever. And, but to realize that we are the church and what the church is looking like. And I'm just, my, one of the big questions I've been asking is where are things going now, given where our cultural culture is going, what's yeah. happening with culture and how is that going to impact church? One of the things with larger story is how do we develop that community that gives us the ability to sustain this journey? Yeah. Because you can't do it alone. No, you can't. And the other thing that, so there's a number of young church planting pastors that I interact with on a regular basis. And all of them, I'll take that back, all but one of them is bivocational. So he's carrying on the expectations of a pastor shepherd to his people. And even if it's a small gathering, let's say 60, 70 people, they have their lives that he's interacting with. Oh, but he also has to work because they can't afford to pay him full time. I was blessed in my ministry life that I was always given a salary, enough to support my family. But I think that's another trend kept that's out there for where the church is heading is more and more guys are not able to make a living by simply being a pastor. So they have to get a job in addition to that. And that's, I think, takes a toll on their families. And I think you can even take it a step farther. I look at what we have, and we might be a little unique at some level, maybe not, yeah. but we've got a group of people where there's really no leader. We don't have any anybody that's officially the pastor or whatever you want to say, but we all, and you just come to the table with what's going on. There's no agenda. And the thing that I've noticed in me, as I'm not going to the building and I'm not sitting in the seats and I'm not watching the pastor speak, expecting you to give me something. But it's, it's now I'm coming in with the attitude of what can I give you Yeah, that's deepest in me? And there's been just a total reversal in my position on it. And I, I was telling you before we started that I've been having some incredible conversations with people, Jimmy, that I feel are very spirit led. And I just think that since Kimmy's diagnosis and since dad's death, just something's been happening to me that's been just supernatural. And I'm so excited yeah. about it. But I get so discouraged in respect to seeing where things are going. And the only yeah. way you can make sense of it is this is spiritual warfare. Satan's involved. Oh, okay. That makes sense of where things are going. Yeah. And that's the other component that I think is become more a reality is I think our culture has for years allowed us to not really believe. We always say we believe that there's a spiritual battle going on, there's spiritual warfare. Now it's right there in our face. And what believers on overseas and other cultures would have argued for years was what they faced, spiritual warfare. We get behind, we don't like this person for their view, we don't like this, but we forget that it's, it is, we do not battle against flesh and blood, but against the enemy. I think the rest of the world was willing to face the fact that it was a spiritual warfare going on. And I think now in our culture, in our country, we're back having to face that reality. And we hadn't before. And it's 100% obvious. This is where it just yeah. seems so pervasive now in yeah. what's going on and how just Christianity is under attack. 
And that's my question in this segment of when we talk about church. What is really the church's role in what's happening today? Because obviously there's a role. The church has always had a role in every moment of the of history in respect yeah. to what's going on. But how do we have that influence today and in, in respect to what's going on? How can we have that entree into some of these kids' lives that don't want anything to do with God? And again, it's, it's going to sound cliche-ish, and I don't mean it that way, but we've got to build relationships. We've got to engage with our culture. I think the church at times gets fearful and withdraws and pulls it in and becomes more like a fort than it is a mission to go out into the world. But I have yet to find people that won't engage relationally, even if we don't agree on certain cultural issues or social issues or moral issues, they're always going to engage. Yeah. And I think that's where the church has to step in and step into the culture and believe that's exactly what Jesus did. And so I have conversations. My wife, Susie, is much better at it than I am, but she'll, we'll be sitting in a restaurant and she'll say to the person, what do you, what, is this your full-time job or what do you hope to do? <laughs> and next thing we're having these conversations about this person's life. And I think it bears fruit. It just really does. And it's, it, I just don't know that we do a great job of engaging. And I think that's where you do. Again, I, I'd have a weekly breakfast with your dad the last few years of his life. And we, we had a couple of different restaurants we'd go to and he'd always get there before I would. And I couldn't, I wasn't supposed to interrupt until after he's done reading the comics, but he built relationships with the wait staff. Yep. And I saw that over and over again, these young, a lot of times young women, but they, he, he would just engage them about their life. And it's amazing. They, nobody ever said, no, I don't want anything to do with that. Yeah. And so the church has to be an open place that invites people in and doesn't get scared of the culture. It's funny when you talk about dad, and I was going to talk about some of the breakfasts you had. I had a buddy of his on who lives in your guys' area who actually did the same thing you did, would meet dad every couple of weeks or whatever for breakfast or whatever. And one of the restaurants that you guys would go to, I don't even remember what it was, which one it was, but they have a picture, according to mom, of dad sitting somewhere up on a little shelf in the corner just because just to remember him because of the relationships that he made with those people yeah. and with the waitresses and with some of the cook staff and they always knew to bring him a hot cup of coffee <laughs> yeah nobody ever made his coffee hot enough for him nobody so <laughs> he and his mom that's for sure jimmy this yeah. is just so much fun chatting with you about this kind of stuff and i just love getting to get to, to pick your mind about this somebody who's been in ministry and been a pastor and has seen the ebbs and flows of the church over the last almost half of a century. And it just gives you an opportunity to hopefully identify where we're going and how can we really just team up with the Spirit or, or follow the guiding of the Holy Spirit as he leads us in this battle that we're in yeah. as we try to connect with these people to show them the love, the love of Jesus. Yeah, because I, and Kep, I've enjoyed it. I enjoyed the time just chatting with you and catching up and you may not have a pastor leading your home church, but you, my friend, are a leader. And I've seen that grow in you over the years and know some of your journey. And yet I watch you grow and what the Spirit of God has done in your life. And so I want you to be encouraged in that, man. It's fun to Thank watch. You, brother. Thank you so much, brother. This You're has welcome. been fun too. This will wrap us up for the Relational Spirituality Podcast today. Please join us next Tuesday. We're going to be getting ready to dive into what I think is one of my father's best books, Soul Talk. This was the beginning of some of the thinking that he was talking about in terms of 
how do we connect with people? What Jimmy was just talking about there in terms of relationships, how do we, how do we really move into the relationships with people in ways that really do allow the Holy Spirit to do his best work? So hope you join us next week. Jimmy, thanks for joining us this week. We'll see y'all next week. If you like what you heard today, hit the like button just below. Then come back by subscribing to our podcast channel. For more resources on relational spirituality, go to our website at largerstory.com.